Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Cerebral Palsy Fitness Podcast. I have the American prodigy, Warren Marlowe, on the show. It ain't, and he's hey, a, David, how's it going, man? Good, I appreciate man. you having uh, me on, man. Good, man. I'm excited. Uh, he's actually a, a uh, professional wrestler, a fellow podcaster himself, and I'm just looking forward to learning about him and his journey and about life in general. So welcome, Warren. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on, man. This has definitely been well overdone. Um, I've been, we've both been busy, so I'm, I'm glad we're finally able to get it going now. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, I'm excited to to know uh, more about you. So can you tell me a little bit about what you do and, uh, you know, your background? All right. Um, basically, um. Uh, Obviously, I got into professional wrestling ordeal. I got into wrestling. Actually, I started wrestling in the training school when I was at 24, 23 or 24 years old. Um, out here in Jacksonville, uh, I was trained by rock and roll Chris Turner uh, by the proving grounds of CCW. And uh, basically, it's a training school. You just, I mean, it, it's hard to find a training school sometimes that are like, it works well with your budget. And I wasn't trying to spend an arm and a leg to start wrestling school. So, and plus in Jacksonville, there wasn't that many options to look at wrestling schools and stuff. So I found this one. It was pretty much too good to be true. It wasn't even super expensive either. And needless to say, you get to do the training school and you also considered on the roster within six months. Uh, it just depends on how much you progress and stuff like that. And it's just crazy. Like, I I did good with bumps, which is really shocking because everybody usually will tell you that first bump is like a very mind blowing thing. Oh yeah. I didn't really get I didn't really get not uh, nervous about the bumps. Like the bumps I was doing completely fine. I was running the ropes, doing everything. I will say that though, out of all type of sports that I've done, I've done basketball, baseball, football, and now wrestling. Um Running those ropes don't matter if you got a six pack, a 12 pack, or even if you're not even fully in shape. That's a whole different game for cardio. And I've seen Marines, I've seen basketball players, I've seen track stars running these ropes and get completely blown up because the biggest thing about wrestling is there's no pause button. So it's no take two. You literally are in there. You perform what you needed to do, and that's it. You might occasionally, if you mess up a spot, you might be able to find a way to throw it back in there, but it's not like, oh, man, we missed. Get back up. Let's try it again. Like, it, you can't do all that. Like, you have to literally go with the flow, and that was one thing that was tough for me at first and the one reason why I had to actually wear a mask, which is funny because I never – everybody I talk to, they're like, you know, usually when guys wear masks, they, that means that, like, they're not got a presentable face or something like that. And you, you've got a very presentable face. And everybody kept asking me, I was like, hey, why did you have to wear a mask? Why did you have to wear a mask? And I, I flat out told them it was because I kept smiling. And literally when someone would beat me up, <laughs> I'm sitting there smiling because, man, I've been watching wrestling since I was, like, five years old. and this was just for me to just want to try. Like, literally, I wanted to try it out just to see what it was. And needless to say, I got so hooked on it. Um, 
I I literally couldn't live without it for for the whole time I was in it. Um, I was very passionate about the character I was. Um, there was ideas when we first came up with that idea of the character. I thought with my look and everything, everybody always everybody always praised the how my look was, my physique and everything. I always thought I could have been like a Randy Orton type character, but I'm not that tall. I was only I'm only five eight, and weight wise, I'm I'm maybe a good solid 180 when I first started, and they looked at me and was like, uh, we can't do the Randy Orton ordeal, but how about, how do you think about doing a mass character? And I told him flat out, I was like, look, I ain't no Lucha Libre. I can't, I'm not, I'm not even good on doing heights and all that stuff. And there's a good story with that one as well, because when he first told me, he was like, Hey, you ain't got to worry about doing all that. Like you could just literally be an old school wrestler and whatever. And needless to say, every time I was progressing up, he kind of started luring in, hey, start looking at doing a top top rope crossbody and stuff like that. I didn't want to even figure it out. Like how people talk about Vince McMahon doing like the Jedi mind yeah. tricks. Like merely you're like dead set, hey, I ain't doing this. And he gets you to do it. That's kind of like how it was for me because it was like, literally it was like, man, I ain't getting on no top rope. And it was the same, like not even a month or two later, we actually did it in a match where I'm jumping off the top. And it was just like, oh my goodness. Like I wasn't even thinking like, hold up i'm afraid of heights like why am i up here and it was just like literally every single time i, I wanted to elevate it and i do give a lot of props to chris turner on uh that standpoint because my character was like a superhero my character was literally something that i wanted to bring that superhero vibe like if you saw me i'm i'm kind of like american prodigy but i'm not a hundred turned up basically when I'm American prodigy, I'm fearless. I'm, I'm a, I have the never give up attitude. Like I've always been that way. I'm always that guy. And sometimes at 30 still now it kicks me in my behind. Like, Hey, that I can't crap. I still, I still refuse to hear that mess. I still refuse to hear it. Sometimes it gets me in trouble. And it's like, hold up, man, this ain't moving like it used to. (laughs) But it's like literally, oh, man, when I first started it out, I wanted my character to be like Superman and I'm Clark Kent. And needless to say, for the whole six years I've done it, I've achieved so much more than I could ever have thought. Even if I didn't make WWE or at the time, AEW was just talked about. It was not even presented out yet that AEW was going to be there there was a rumor um people were hearing rumors like oh jericho's helping out found this and da 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 and i was like there was nothing set in stone when i was there and it's just crazy like even though i didn't make all these big time things like how everybody's like this was their goals and aspirations that's how i felt like I said, I tried it out just to try it out. And needless to say, every match that I kept improving on, I loved it more. And awesome. when I would watch the WWE programs, the Impact stuff and all that, I'm like, I really can do this. Like, especially if I, when I was booked on shows when I'm with guys that I've seen on TV. Um, and they look at me like, hey, you got a good look. Like, hey, you that- could really think about doing this like maybe you need to slow down a little bit on 
working with the crowd and stuff like my biggest problem when I first started was I was begging for the crowd to cheer for me and with the typical character like I had the USA thing you, you obviously want to get the USA chance that's what the booker was really expecting like hey get this USA chant going rampant like usually I'd be either match one or match four or the main event like those were the three different topics that three three different numbers like on a card that I would pretty much be on. And if I was match number one, I had to get the crowd up and going. I had the crowd literally rised up. Sometimes it depends on who I was with. If I was with one of my main nemesis, less fortunate, I don't think a lot of show, I don't think a lot of guys could follow up on the matches that me and him had. Um, and it kind of pissed some people off because literally the matches that me and less fortunate will have, I literally sit here and tell anybody all this time, like that was my joker in, in wrestling was him. Uh, we, we tore it down every single night that we were wrestling. Good Lord. My first year we wrestled at least tw 20 times, literally no matter what area it was, we literally would go the same style. Every time we were very stiff, <laughs> less, he likes to joke with it. He was like, it's called the love taps, what we called it. But every single night, regardless of six people in the building, when in a small town in Abbeville, Georgia, to 20, 30, and, and even up to almost 700 people, like literally we, we tore it down. And man, a lot of people would be upset because like, man, we can't have these on match one. And that's literally the reason why we got took off match one a lot because they were like, Hey, we can't follow this. We cannot follow this, uh, this at all. And people would push us to go to match four. Um, we never got the main event. That was, that's one part I wish we actually would have gotten to get was me and him do a main event because I felt like we definitely could have done something with it. Um, but I really got, I, when I really figured out that I belonged in a company is when I won my first title and it was called the alternative title. It was basically a title brought in that was not the super heavyweights. It was actually like middle junior weight, heavyweight, like junior heavyweights. Let the U S and we brought that element to that belt. And the funny thing is the first year when we finally got this title, talked about and we promoted it nonstop. This one thing I hold very, very dear to me for like a wrestling achievement is we made a secondary title, basically the main title for like a solid six months. And that's how long I had that title. I had it for six months. We made that thing presented out. Like I was the guy, this was my belt. This is the belt to fight for and stuff like that. And it was technically like a television title. I always defended it every single show, every show. And the thing about the alternative title was literally, it's not just a one-on-one -on -one singles match. It was either a title on the pole match, a ladder match, um, you do a winner-takes-all tag team match turmoil. So basically, you and this guy would be the tag matches, and you go and gauntlet these guys. And basically, whoever's the last tag team fights one-on-one -on -one for the title at the end. Like, it, it was a very difficult <laughs> scenario in that one. But you had so many different type of matches, the secondary, special matches. Um, I learned a lot being a champion 
I realized like what's the real pressure of being a champion for an independent company or just itself because they're they're expecting you to keep the ship moving and you are really one of their main platform guys that they're presenting when they're doing these shows and that's one reason why I, I stuck so loyal with them for a long time was because one they're in Jacksonville they were in my area I got to wrestle places that I got to play in basketball when I was in high school and stuff like that so I was like I was really close to hometown area but the traveling too, man, that, that junk really was a whole different game because my goodness, you go wrestle, drive three or four hours, maybe even more, now barely gotta, like, good Lord. <laughs> you got to think that with the Indies too, uh, aside from traveling, some, some independent promotions have wrestlers break, breaking down the ring and putting the ring together and putting yep. all the equipment back, back in and back on. Did you, That's did one you... good thing about CCW, too, because CCW really treated everyone the same. It wasn't like you got a special treatment. Like, even when I was a champion, um, I would always be there at the time, set up the ring, um, help promote it while we're – which was cool because, I mean, you don't see me because I got a mask on in matches. So I could go all over the building and stuff because usually wrestlers – you had to like tiptoe through areas because you didn't want marks looking at you. You didn't want the fans to find you and stuff like that. That was the best thing about my character. The only problem I would have that is if we were in my hometown, Yulee, Florida, and then obviously everybody know who the heck I was and where I was and stuff like that. But other than that, I, I could literally walk off free, no problem. Uh, sometimes I even done a couple of matches and then went into the audience just to watch certain matches just in a fan's visual. Um, it's awesome. it was pretty cool. That's one thing I do loved about being a masked character was just like I felt fearless. I felt you know how like Stone Cold talked about when he put that vest on and that yeah. glass shatters and stuff like that. I felt that when I put that mask on. I felt the, when I put the gloves on. Um, the thought of American Project was basically I was a big fan of Power Rangers. I was a very big fan of Power Rangers, and obviously AJ Styles brought it up. Brought the gloves stuck together. Yeah, um, I could see that influence in there. AJ, a little bit of yeah, AJ in there. Yeah, but here's the thing. AJ wasn't on WWE or main TV platforms yet. So I was sitting there thinking, you know what? I could do that. And it was like, because, you know, like everybody looks at my character and be like, oh, man, you must have really watched the Patriot. Obviously, all the USA gimmicks is one typical one. It's the Patriot. And you bring a flag out. And it's just a typical one. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to change that. I'm going to put it on my gloves. I mean, I'm a big fan of Power Rangers. And the funny thing is when I told the company that made my mask, I told them, I said, I want my eyes covered. I want I want a mixture of a Power Ranger and Spider-Man. Because I was like, I just love that look. And they gave me, per se, everybody likes to call it, the American Deadpool look. And <laughs> that's, that's what <laughs> I saw like thing about that is when I debuted right before I debuted, the announcement of Deadpool, the movie came out. Oh and, boy. I can yeah. imagine. Oh man. So in October I'm getting Deadpool chance, the USA talk. And then everybody's like, man, you look so cool. Like, I hope, I hope Marvel don't sue you. And then literally right after that moment, I'm like, 
oh man uh, so i literally called the people that made my mask and i was like so we need to look into this and see where i need to get this license i'm not gonna say how much it was it was definitely a good chunk of change to get the license to that to be my character my name and i still hold it i still have it and the funny thing is i can't get sued I can't get sued from right. anyone on it because it's licensed to me. Yeah. It is labeled as the American Prodigy mask. And that's why when people call me the American Deadpool, I'm like, uh-uh, that's American Prodigy. Like, I had bought, I paid <laughs> out of my own yeah. wallet yeah. to make that license. So it is American Prodigy. <laughs> did you, did you uh, ever, uh, I mean, did you ever think in your career that you would, uh, uh, I guess if they give you the option of turning heel would you have done it i've been back and forth on it i love playing the good guy um because it was very old school it wasn't like how wrestling on wwe and stuff like that is now where everyone cheers the bad guy like it was literally character driven that's one reason why i loved wrestling for continental championship wrestling was because it was strictly old school old school booking old school matches um the matches Sometimes they all look the same in ways, but it was old school driven. It was based off your character. And that's one thing I wish wrestling would just go back to is literally character driven wrestling. I feel like the longevity would be a more, more thing. The recycledness, anybody could do a move. And this is one thing I, and when I'm on commission talk, shout out to my boys, uh, Shizlinski and uh, Dre on wheels from the 1130 podcast we're a commission talks and we do a, a lively episode every Wednesday talking about pro wrestling. And this actually gets me in trouble sometimes, man, because like how we said, I've wrestled for six years. The one reason why I'm, I've only wrestled for six years is because all of my movesets, I was really wanting the crowd invested in me. I wanted the crowd to pop for me. I wanted the crowd. I wanted to be that loudest chant you got. So I did a lot of stuff to get that chant. And when I watch AEW, I watch WWE, and I watch New Japan and all these guys, like, wrestling itself is amazing. But here's the thing. Anybody can do the move. A pop is temporary, but your body, that's, that's oh, going to yeah. be the issue. And literally, man, when I watch all these matches, like, this might get, me mad, get people mad at me, but I'm not a big fan of the Young Bucks. At all. I don't like much of their matches at all. I think we've actually talked about it before for the all, I think it was the all out where they wrestled the Lucha Bros. I really believe that was one of the worst matches I've seen so long because all that they'd done, it was great acrobatic and all that. It made no sense. Like literally you put in all these finishers, you're doing everything in 15 minutes and you're still going additional 30 for the whole match. And it meant nothing. Like, you did all these super kicks. It meant nothing. Like, I remember the one spot they were doing a, a basically a pass the leader super kick match where they would sit there and stand up when it looked like they literally were just looking down like, all right, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. Like, sell that a little bit more. Make it look, if anything, wobble around a little bit. Kind of sell this, like, make it presentable. And I feel like that's one reason why fans are really sick of what what products were getting thrown at us because it's like wrestling is great. The talent, the athleticism is top-notch amazing. I thought I could really fit in with that product 
if I was the old American project. But now it's just like, where's it going to come from? Where, where are we going to go from here now? Because it's like literally you've wrestled so many different styles. Like we talk about it all the time. Like, hey, man, do you think the slow paced wrestling could ever come back? It can, but it's going to take a long time because where we have elevated it at now. And I wish six years ago, I wish four or five years ago now, man, like I, I kind of would have slowed it more down. Like when I got more popular, more risk-taking risk moves were starting to take over. And it was just like new shows that I've never been booked on. Obviously, I want them to know who I am and really want to book me. So guess what? I'm looking at the crowd level. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's about almost four to 500 people. All right, they'll get the crossbody tonight. And sometimes the guys would not catch me. And that oh, yeah. really started getting to the point where it's just like, all right, I ain't doing this much more. And then it's just like more of the stuff was getting wear and tear. And it's just like, uh, uh. And one of the main things that really took a major toll too is because my fiance at the time, she was pregnant and, um, I just currently lost my grandfather, my papa, what I call my papa, and he was Warren Sr., and I'm the third. So he was very, very dear in my heart for the longest time, and I didn't know how to cope with it. Like, I joke with it sometimes. Now it's like literally the day after he died, I wrestled the next night and because I'm just in that machine mode at that time, and I wasn't really thinking. That really started putting a burden on me. Um, I started second-guessing the moves that I was doing in matches. Uh, the one match that I – it kind of kicks me in my butt sometimes. I was really proud of it, but I wasn't at the same time, was we did a title on the pole match. And needless to say, I'm looking down wondering, what the heck am I doing? Like, I'm usually into the match. I'm fully ready. I'm good to go. And I'm looking down like – why am I doing this? What, what am I thinking? Like I'm on the top rope and I'm afraid of heights. Like I really don't like riding roller coasters because I'm not a fan of heights. Like these were things like I was second guess. I'm like, man, my neck is hurting. Like my mom had neck issues and stuff like that. I've been dealing with that since you, since I was five, she was 16 years old and she's been having these neck problems since she was 16 years old. And when she got, pregnant i think she had me at 20 i think it was 19 or 20 and um she's been back and forth my dad was in the military so he wasn't fully home all the time just working and i had to be a a strong figure to my mom like i said five years old taking care of my mom with the neck problem and it's been like that for such a long 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 time so and literally when i got into wrestling People really started saying, like, hey, man, you're going to make it big. You're going to do this. I did great achievements. Like, I got rookie of the year. Um, One cool thing, won the alternative title twice. First guy to do that in a long time. Um, I did get selected for that that virtual simulation uh, wrestling game that's coming out next year. Any 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 updates on, on, on when it's coming out, your character? Uh, it's supposed to be out next next November, I think awesome. so. Yeah, it's definitely supposed to be out next November. Um, also, if you go on their link on the Facebook thing, you could actually pre-order it. 
and it's okay. on the wish thing and you just pre-order it um you don't pay anything right off the rip you just have your name reserved for it whatever and i think if they if it's in talks still you could actually pick the character that you want as the cover and right now everybody's been voting for david ali and guys like that so far so i mean i'm just i'm just blessed that actually i got nominated to do this thing because i looked at it state of florida there wasn't that many names that they put on there and they put me on there so it's crazy because like I, I wasn't even wrestling for like two years when they were coming up with this game and like they messaged me talked to me about it and like hey didn't know you wrestled but we listen to your podcast regularly and the rest was history so um i actually the funny thing is people usually have to message them to get on it but i was messaging him about doing an episode with me like since i've been i know i'm jumping off but since i've been doing podcasting i literally am like constantly like hey man you want to do a podcast with me stuff like that like it's just in our mindsets because we've been doing it regularly now so it's just like hey you you think about considering about doing a podcast and he's like well i'm kind of busy right now but you know i just found out you actually wrestle and stuff like that so he's like i actually watched some of your matches and i was like you know what i like your style i like what you've done to the business and stuff like that and he's like i love your mindset when you talk about wrestling i mean i only did it for six years that might be long to people but in a wrestling years that's not long and that's one thing i felt like Sometimes I didn't feel like I have a place to say, but everybody's like, no, you were good. Like you done your, your part. And everybody nonstop asked me all the time. You think AP coming back? You think, you think this is going to be a, a trial run for you? And I'm like, I don't know. And the funny thing is when I stopped wrestling, not even five, six months later, COVID hits. And <laughs> so you were fortunate. not wrestling. <laughs> everybody's not wrestling. So I was like, Maybe I picked a good time. <laughs> right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, perfect timing for you to uh, to retire. Yeah. And then the podcast idea came in. Because that's how I really learned wrestling was listening to all these podcasts. Like, I would have guys, shout out to my boy um, Daniel Anderson, um, my boy Eric Moore, um, Solo Jones, Darian Drummond just a good name a few my boy logan stevens johnny romano uh it's just crazy like how much you could learn because at first i didn't know what a podcast was i really thought it was just somebody that's reading a book and found out it's literally very educational and they would tell me like hey man if you really want to know the business check out um brian conrad talk um jim Cornette." Brian Kelly, uh, Chris Jericho has a podcast. And that's one reason why I really started getting really into podcasting was because Jericho wasn't just talking about wrestling. He was talking to bands, movies, actors, actresses, comedians, stuff okay. like he was really interested because when he first started podcasting, he didn't really even like wrestling. He didn't even like talking about wrestling, but he knew he had to do it because that's what people knew of him, of being a wrestler. And it, it really intrigued me because, like, you know, with COVID hit, TV's not playing anything new. It's just like, man, like, this really just locked down. This is really happening. We're on nothing. And the thing that really struck me the most when, it, when we did lockdown is the gyms closed. And that's like, uh-uh. 
to me like literally like that's my sanctuary like no why no <laughs> and then literally i got on the doing a podcast and i did one episode literally woke up one morning just hit record saw what it could do didn't think it was gonna be 30 minutes and it became an hour and it was just talking about me uh, about my interest about what what elevated me to do this podcast and everything like that and it was over 100 plays in not even a day and i was like well gotta do more now <laughs> yeah that, that was uh that was me i you know we got into i, I spent years uh dabbling into it because i had a lot of friends tell me hey you got you got to share your story share your journey and this was years like after i before like COVID, after I retired from sports from due to injuries. So I was like, mm-hmm. I need something to do besides just uh, inspiring, you know, other people, you know, I gotta, yeah. I gotta take a platform and not only just inspire people myself, but the message that's yeah. for sure. But to spread, uh, let people spread their message, you know, yeah, their journey. And that's too. one thing. That's one thing. I, when I first started doing this podcast was like, literally my mindset was, to get the guys that I was in the ring with and stuff like that for fans to know, Hey, they're still here. This is, this was their job, like support them, go on their pro wrestling tees accounts, go on to whatever they're doing to sell their merch. Like they need help. I know everybody needed help, but like, this was their job and stuff. That was my mind goal was like, I want to give back. Like I did, I'm not wrestling anymore, but my brothers and stuff that I've watched, one of them just had a kid on the way and was terrified because he hasn't worked a regular job in like seven years because he's been just wrestling and wrestling was his, his income and stuff. Like he was doing great doing that. But when COVID hit, he was panicking because he had a daughter on the way and it was just like, Oh man, like just a lot more came in. And then when I started doing these podcasts, I was just like, yeah, man, you know what, man? Wrestling only is two wrestler, two wrestling channels right now, WWE and AEW. And I'm listening to all these wrestling podcasts. I'm like, it's literally the same stuff. Like, we can't change it up because it's only two wrestling networks that are happening right now. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to change it up. I did an episode with two seniors, uh, basically living their senior year at home on lockdown because – there's nothing going on. So these seniors, I mean, it, it was sad. Like, literally, the seniors that had that year for lockdown, I feel so terribly bad for. Like, they would literally have to live with that the rest of their life. Like, hey, this was my senior year. On a computer, at home, nobody around me, no friends, nothing. Like, no prom. Um, like, it's really sad. And actually, our episode fought for them to actually have a graduation. Um, and they got it. So that was a big achievement to that. I don't say it's just from the podcast. I'm just saying, like, they fought to have a graduation. And everybody got to go and do it on their football field and stuff like that. So it was a Ridgeviews High School. Um, shout out to them on that because they really had to fight for that graduation. Like, they were all talking about it was going to be on Zoom and stuff like that. Kids were not having it. They're like, no, no, which sucked because family members obviously could not be on the stadium, in the stadium with them to watch them walk and stuff like that. They had to be far away. 
some of them actually had to watch it on TV or on the camera or whatever. They just got a link to send it to them. It was just basically the kids getting to walk, walk the stage, pick up their diploma and the rest was history. So I'm glad they got to have that moment. Cause like I tell people all the time is like, literally you don't get that realization. until after you get walk that stage, you get that diploma. And then that's when life is about to hit you. Yep. And little old me at that time, man, I was looking at playing college basketball. I was looking at literally going to Florida Atlantic university, walking on and, and starting my life doing that, uh, majoring in business, um, got a passion for fitness and really thought I was going to do like personal training ordeal, got my personal training certification, done it for a little bit. And I was just like, I'm not liking what it's going, what I have to do to keep that going because it's like, I was encouraging people to have to be lazy. I was encouraging people to be like, Hey, you can go on your own time. You can go on your own time. Like it was kind of like losing my mentality of how I am. It was making me judge my character and stuff like that. And I was just like, you know what? I was getting burned out with it. Um, People did not like the philosophies I had with it. (laughs) My first session, I literally would not let them touch weights and it pissed them all off. (laughs) Gotta start somewhere, right? Oh my Lord, man. I got, I got stories for days about some of the clients I've had, but um, like I said, I was doing college basketball. Found out I was going to be a dad, um, came home to be that person, to be be the father to my child because, like I said, my dad was in the military. So I didn't really have a father figure at that time fully there with me 24-7. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to be there for my son. And sad suck, man. I walked on FAU, one of the hardest tryouts I've ever done, and I made the team. And wow. it sucked when I had to literally tell him, like, hey, I can't, I can't go. I can't keep doing it. And the coach was upset at first, but he, he knew the reason. And he was like, you know what? You'll be all right. I can tell from the heart and stuff like that, you, you're going to be fine. Uh, shout out to coach on that because that meant a lot to me that actually, because I was so nervous to go on there because I really built a relationship with him because he saw the hard work I was putting in it. And I literally always gave my all and everything I'd done. And it's it killed me when I I was really depressed when I had to leave playing college ball because I worked so damn hard to get on that team. And I felt like it was taken from me. And it was it was tough pill to swallow. But when I had my son born, it was just like. It all erased. If you you think about it, if you think about it, you got one blessing and then you had another. Yep. One, like I like I usually say, man, one setback is always a great comeback. And like I tell people now, like I've done so much in my life, and it's like I never really took a step back to go, you know what? That was pretty freaking awesome. And because I've I've always been that guy's like literally got to constantly stay busy, constantly do something, constantly get to the highest level of something I'm doing. So if I'm doing it, I'm focused completely on that to get that elevated up. And, and I look back, I'm like, you know what, man, I was a high school basketball player that really, I, the high school we had, we, we switched like four coaches the whole time I was in that high school. Um, Basketball was a top priority program the first year I was there because I was coached by a guy that literally coached us in middle school area and stuff like that. 
Then when he went up to the high school, we we were still we're still a team. Like man, we had we had monsters on that. Shout out to my old squad, man. I, I miss that team, man. But it was like we have straight monsters on that team for a middle school squad, and then we go up to the high school and just take over the high school. Like I mean, our first year, all at the first year because this was only the second year of Yulee High School that was actually open, and they literally told us JV. I meant freshmen could not play on varsity. So we literally had monsters playing on JV. So oh, literally, we, it was like, oh my gosh! Like some of the JV teams would look at us and like, man, this ain't even fair. Uh, like, absolutely we're about, go, we're about to go down real bad. Exactly. And then when we we all got our reality check when we played our rivalry, uh, Fernandina Beach. Um, that was our first game. All the JV players got to go up to varsity, and the funny thing is. I don't think a lot of people could say this, man. The JV took over the varsity team. Like, literally all 10 of our JV guys that were, like, studs, we went straight over to varsity and just, like, took over. Whatever position they had, gone. Like, completely. And the funny thing is, like, man, everybody was excited. Like, all right, yeah, yeah. Like, our JV team wasn't used to losing. So we go over to varsity, and they're already, like, two wins i think they i think the final record was two and eight and we were playing Fernandina. and they were undefeated right now and it was a home game very excited if anybody knows like in the yuli and Fernandina area nassau county that is a very big rivalry that's like a florida and georgia rivalry and we're all best friends it's literally we're fighting for bragging rights for saturday <laughs> and needless to say we got that bragging right taken from us. We took our first loss as a high school football team program from that. We got dragged. It was like 55 to like zero. Oh, um, it was rough. And we were like getting that reality check like, all right, now we got to perform better. And at the end of the season, we went, we won two games. I think we only had like four games left when we went up, when we got called up. And we won two of those, and we took dear proud of that. And then basketball season hit, man. I was so pumped and ready for it because I was actually able to jump. Um, I was getting a nice little vert now. I could almost touch rim. So I'm sitting there thinking, like, hey, man, this is going to be a good year for me. And I had a good freshman year, and I had a good sophomore year. And then, like, my junior year, I got too, I got too cocky in ways because we had a new coach. Thought, hey – He's going – he'll be okay, but he's going to know that this is our program. Didn't go that way. We had a grudge between me and him. Um, cost me my junior year. Cut me. And then mm. literally my senior year, I just fought tooth and nail to keep it keep it going. Keep it – keep my name at least mentioned in the basketball Keep it, keep it relevant, community. man. Keep it relevant. And it was like, oh, my gosh. So it was like, you know – the stuff that I had to go through in high school and stuff like my middle school year, we like to use Jordan got cut his ninth grade year, but made varsity this 10th grade year. Um, I got cut my sixth grade year in, in middle school. And I literally was heartbroken on it. And needless to say my seventh grade year, I was the first one picked. my uh, eighth grade year. I was still picked my ninth grade year. I was picked my 10th grade year. I was picked. My 11th grade year, I still say that I, I really just think the coach had something out for me because literally 
I know for a fact, performance-wise, I definitely was not one of the ones that should have got cut. But in my mind, like I told everyone, I was like, this would be the last time I'm cut. And in my senior year, like I said, I fought tooth and nail. We had another new coach. We went through four freaking coaches my wow. my high school year. So literally, you're not getting any progression at all because you're just going through coach after coach after coach. It's just recycled so many times. But the thing, the look back at it, man, is like, you know, all those times I'm in my backyard shooting until the light goes off and stuff like that, man, until it's completely, I can't see the ball. I did some pretty good achievements with it. Like I built, I got a brotherhood out of them. Shout out to all the guys that I played basketball with, man. Love y'all. Uh, y'all are still a whole dear piece to me completely. Um, it was, it's a, it's a damn good look back and I'm like, you know what? I've done something with it. Like it might've been taken in my way. I don't way I thought it was taken away from me, but you know, man, I always wanted to be a role model for kids and why not me just be a dad. And that was one of the best things that ever happened to me because he changed me. Uh, shout out to my son, Matthew, um, with him being special needs, uh, borderline, uh, with scoliosis, uh, he was on the autism spectrum at 12 months. Uh, he was diagnosed with NF1. Basically, at 12 months old, he had more than one birthmark. He actually had 12 birthmarks. He was the youngest to ever be able to discover that because usually they say it's like three to four birthmarks. He had 12 at 12 months old. Um, yeah, like literally he had scoliosis. I mean, my son's had eye surgeries. Um, Matthew has a back problem, which we hopefully in the near future is not going to be like where he's tensed up like this and his back is like slumped over. Hopefully you'll never have to have a back brace. Um, kid, kid literally is relentless. Like I, I tell people like my son is me times 10. Like my son is so strong. Um, he's a happy kid literally a happy kid and that's one thing i can literally hold dear proud to and my daughter as well my daughter is three years old now and she keeps me moving <laughs> that's the best way to put it <laughs> speaking about speaking about your your son how did you feel when you first found out about his diagnosis like did you feel like a mix of emotions did you feel like you were scared you were nervous i didn't want to believe it um when I say I didn't want to believe it, I just I always felt like you had a choice to get to a certain scenario. Like when I was a personal trainer, like you have a choice. Either you want to be in shape or you want to be in fat or you want to be fat. Like there's no in between ordeal. Like it's your choice to like, hey, do I really need to stay on this couch and eat chips? Or maybe I need to go out and walk for a little bit, get my blood flowing a little bit like I mean, I felt like there was a choice. I felt like we just needed to work with him. I felt like it needed to more focused on, you know what? My son wasn't speaking. My son wasn't walking. Um, my son didn't fully walk until he was like six years old, even granted from the situation that with his mom and me at the time, um, his speech was really bad. He couldn't talk. I mean... It was amazing when he would actually just be able to babble to us at three because it was just like, it was crazy. Like when he's going through speech therapy and ladies sounding everything out and he's just looking at her like, I don't understand you. I don't understand you. Yeah, yeah. And we found out he was, 
we found it a lot. The reason why we found out he he had the spectrum of autism is when um, I started noticing stuff with him. Like there was some stuff that he would completely focus on, and then there was stuff that he was just like, you're not going to talk to him. You're not going to let him. He's not going to look at it. He's not going to care to acknowledge it or whatever. And one thing that I could tell that he loved so much was fans. And he still is like this. And he would just look up and smile. Like he already knew what was going on. He couldn't, he couldn't abbre- abbreviate what was going on, but he could just smile. He actually said fan, his first word. <laughs> and that's crazy to me because, like, out of all the words that he said, he looked at me and goes, fan. And I, and I was blown away by it. I was like, he couldn't yeah. say nothing else. He said dada and stuff like that, but he could never say anything else. And it was just like, fan. And that just changed it up a little bit for me. And then when we started noticing, like, his focus standpoint, when he gets excited, he starts kicking his feet up and down. Literally just kick his feet up and down. He'll do that for a good solid two minutes. And his hands are up like this, and he's just kicking, kicking, kicking. And he's smiling. Like, he's so in it, excited. He still does it somewhat to this day uh, being nine and um we i took him into the specialist and they looked at him and we did a lot of tests whatever and it told me i was like you know he's on a very high percentage of autistic and they told me what his interests were what he's not going to focus on i tell people now if you ever have to teach my son just just know you're speaking gibberish when you're you're speaking of math. He ain't gonna care to know. <laughs> he is not gonna want to know. He is not gonna really want to care to listen to any of it. Um, if you have a fan, it'll work. Shout out to those guys that made the fidget spinners that made life so much easier for me. Um, it was definitely tough because he's getting all this special attention, and I'm not used to it. Like, I'm not used to babying stuff like that. I'm not used to, like, realizing I have to speak so slow, stuff like that. Like, you really have to learn patience. And like I said, at the time, me and his mom, we were separating. We were separating really quick because not only these ordeals, it's just because it was just, like, there was so much pressure. And needless to say the high school sweetheart phases they phase out real quick after that reality hits and i mean regardless out of everything that's happened with that situation my son was the best thing that happened for me it changed me it made me become a better person in, in visual for anything like literally if anybody knew me before i had my son i may not have been the most liked guy everybody used to say i was a comedian in ways but I felt like I didn't have a real good personality to be around people. And Matthew made it to where I was just a happy person. And how I got into wrestling was from personal issues from it. And my son loved it. Oh, my gosh, my son loved it. Um, He was a big fan of John Cena. Um, Completely a huge fan of John (laughs) Cena. Every single thing of John Cena, the song, everything. Like, he would just lit up and that was one thing i i was really proud of was like you know what i got to be like that john cena for matthew and that was really one of the coolest achievements for me and 
I can always live with that. And like I tell people all the time, like, hey, man, do you ever think about coming back? I'm like, if I do, I do. If not, I'm okay with that as well. And that was the first time I actually been able to say, you know what? I'm okay that I left this sport because I felt like I left it at a good standpoint. And for me to excite kids, fans, whatever they want to do, they can listen to me on a podcast now on Fridays. There you go. Quick little plug. I'm buzzing with Marlo on Fridays. Like, man, just talking and really helping people cope. Like, my main focus is, like, you know, I want people to give a different outlook on things. Like, how, like we just said about uh, special needs and stuff. It is very tough to deal with. It is. It's very tough to actually hear about it. Um, we are now about to be in Autism Awareness Month pretty soon. Um, my main goal when I was still wrestling at the time, I was, I was doing a fundraiser for, it's called Prodigy Strong and it was going to be an autism logo right on my gloves. I was about to ask you about that. The autism puzzle right there. We were, we're still getting that worked on and stuff like that. And what I was going to do was take it to my son, um, take it to a lot of kids like in, in, uh, hospitals and stuff that have autism and stuff like that and, and just give back. And literally, man, it's just, it's just an awesome feeling, especially with this podcast now, because when I first started doing it, I rode the coattail of American Prodigy. I'm not going to lie. I really thought that was the only way people were going to want to listen to me is like, hey, I was American Prodigy. This is me. This is my podcast I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And you saw that first. Literally, I just had a cartoon logo of me because I had that made for merch ideas for my wrestling character t-shirts stickers gloves all that man so it, it kind of sucked on that time but i was like you know what i can bring it back do that now the new logo that i have man i'm very i'm very proud of it it really just shows how of a stepping stone that i've done just in general now because now i'm not just riding on the coattail of american prodigy i'm i'm more marlo and that's one thing it took me so long to do was be Warren Marlowe. And you're Warren Marlowe. Like, I like that. I like that. Like literally it's like when I was a Matthew, when he's special needs and stuff like that, man, I just felt, I felt like I wasn't that father because it's like, man, like how can I help him with this? Like I've never had these problems. Like I've never figured this out. Like literally I've always had that, you know what? I can't do it right now, but guess what? By six seven or eight months or even if it takes me a year i will be able to i'll be able to do that and with matthew being special needs and stuff like that him having to have speech therapies occupational therapy every week he had to have two sessions a week um it was very nerve-wracking in ways because he actually got me to want to do personal training because literally i was like you know what i want to teach him how to walk i want to do this i want to do this and i was very proud of it we actually taught him how to take his first steps at three years old and he had to have knee braces and stuff like that for a good while so when he was with me he would have to go to the park and i'd want him to walk across this thing even though he would be assisted walking through a bar holding bars and stuff like that to walk but you could just see the face of him just lit up he was scared but just happy like i'm doing it i'm doing it i'm doing it and it's just like those moments is like, you know what, man, that's what I live man. for. And 
now with the podcast and stuff like that is I'm blessed at how big it's getting. I'm blessed on it because I didn't expect much of it. And my main goal is to have a good chat with people and also bring a different visual to stuff. I use this episode very good much for an example was uh, I was talking to a girl named Stacy Simpson and um, she had stage four cancer. Um, she just started her own gymnastics foundation um, and she was very big on pageantry. I don't know nothing of that. I don't have any experiences with that. So it's like literally I was like, I'm not looking forward to this. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. I don't know if I'm going to make sense on this, whatever. And needless to say, it's one of my most favorite episodes because she just had a huge, beautiful personality to her. First, starting out the episode, having having little comedic little drops in there, like it just made me laugh. And I was like, oh, this is how she is. And she's got stage four cancer. Like she should be miserable. Like no, I'm, I'm been yeah. beaten down or whatever. No, she had no. the most positive personality, happy. She's like, you know what? It's not going to stop me. Like she, she literally is going through chemo. Shout out to her on this. Going through chemo, teaching kids how to be gymnast and gymnastics and stuff like that, doing ballerinas and all that stuff. And literally, she'll go outside, throw up, come back out, and still teach these kids. That just showed heart driven. And I was like, you know what? Determination. She just made me a better person in this episode. She made me look at ballets and pageantries a different visual. Because I was like, at the time, I'm like, man, it's just way too much for kids. And but for grownups, I'm like, she's like 50 something years old and she's over here doing this. Like, what's the point of it? And then when I heard her story, I'm like, you know what? Congrats. Congratulations. Like, this was an awesome recording. When I got off of it, I didn't even want to, I didn't want to hit in because it went from me dragging it into so stressed out to try to figure out what was going on to one of my favorite episodes because just being nice, the positivity of that, man, people don't realize like stuff happens. It goes a long way. It yeah. does. And one thing I've learned and one thing I've hold so dear now is I'm never going to give anybody a negative vibe because you don't know what they're going through. You don't know exactly what's been going in their life and stuff like that. And that's one thing I've learned doing the podcast too, is like you learn how to call you, you learn certain characteristics when you're recording, when you're interviewing stuff like that. And I've, I've stayed so strong to it, man. I don't pre-plan anything. I might start an episode where I go, Hey, What's the main visuals you're trying to hit on? And literally, what are you wanting to present? And what do you not want to talk about? Those are literally the only things I ask them. And then we go straight into it. And they love it because they're like, I don't feel like a robot. Like I've had celebrities on there. I, I mean, the last episode I just did with Lucy Bandit. She's going to be an upcoming actress for a big role in a movie that she, this is her very first big role. And she's still in college, majoring in actors. And being an actor and stuff like that. And she's getting this big role. And needless to say, it's just like getting to be in her shoes to talk about her mindset of being getting ready for this role and stuff like that. It's just a beautiful thing. It's like, you know what? She might be one of the big things coming out on TV in the next five to six years. 
And guess whose first interview she did it with? Me. And it's like, man, like these are the things I live for now. These are the moments that I really hold dear to my heart. Yeah, it's like with uh, with Barry Aaron and I. You know, when I interviewed him, uh, we went straight into it. He talked about his story, about his mom struggling with alcoholism, how he got into professional wrestling, and how Johnny Gargano took a chance at him and said, "You know, I'll train you, but it mm-hmm. won't be it won't be easy." And Iron said, "You know, I don't want you to take it easy on me. I want you to dish out anything and everything." And I read up on 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 Iron, and he said he went through some serious injuries in the middle of his. Starting out his career, he ended up in the hospital a couple of times with concussions. Uh, there were times where he probably wouldn't be able to make it in the wrestling business. And he had, he had tryouts with Impact Wrestling. Uh, at one point, there was a rumor. He was on this uh, news channel that they asked him, would he ever debut in the Rumble? But, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he, he, he put out a word to McMahon, you know, I'd love to be in the Rumble. But, you know, I feel like due to what happened is that Gowan. That kind of shut the door. So yeah. he ended up just doing, uh, you know, indie shows, but he's become super successful as a professional wrestler and motivational speaker. So, mm-hmm. you know, we keep in touch now and we're, we're good buddies and I'm hoping to see him when he gets in town. So it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, shout out to Zach Gowan too, man. He's still, he's still killing it on the indies right yeah. now. And that's one thing I, I'm very proud of. I can say I'm one of the, one of the guys in that class of independent guys that literally at the time it, it was really hot wrestling itself independently right now it's back to a 1000 and that's one thing i'm very proud of is like the guys i've worked with and stuff like that shout out to my boy alex kane he was in my very very last match uh we did a gauntlet for the uh junior heavyweight and i didn't get to wrestle him because I lost in the gauntlet to my boy uh, oh, Logan Stevens, which he won the whole thing. And but man, it's just really cool to see what guys are really getting a push, getting a chance. And I mean, if COVID didn't happen, like I don't think a lot of these guys would have got to been on TV and get these moments that they can always live forever. Because like when I first started. Like, literally, man, if you've ever been on WWE TV, Impact TV, stuff like that, hey, that's where your money's going to start raising because now they know you're valuable. Fans know who you are. You've been on TV. Guess what? You're going to get a good chunk of change when you get that first offer in that book and goes, hey, you want to get this? All right, what's my fee? And then they look at you, well, you went on WWE. Guess what? That's a, that's a nice little chunk change right there. Like, obviously, you get more of a head of a pay just from being on TV than – most people that's one reason why a lot of people like to be um extras because that gives you the chance to be on something that you've dreamed of for so long it gives you that mindset of paying your dues and stuff like that and i feel like wrestling is amazing now because all these guys that i've wrestled trained with and stuff like that are getting that exposure and um it's it's a beautiful thing to that standpoint but the slow, old-school pace wrestling needs to come back because I don't know how much longer the fast-paced wrestling can keep fans invested, especially in the U.S. areas, because we're not New Japan fans, and it, it'll get it'll get tiring quick. Now, if the American Prodigy was still wrestling to this day, what promotion would he consider signing to? What big promotion-wise? 
I like NWA. NWA? Okay. And who would you, if you had a, a couple dream matches, who would they be? Who would you want to face? Oof. Um, one of my dream matches I would love to actually have worked is um, AJ Styles. AJ Styles. I really would have loved that one. Um, I really think that could have been a really cool, fast pace, slow pace at the same time. Like AJ can work anybody. And that's one thing I wanted to hold dear to myself was I could work anybody in the ring, size, whatever. I could work work them. Um, obviously, my favorite guy in the whole wide world, I would love to wrestle The Rock. Um, like, literally, it would that would just be like that fan moment for me. Like, oh, man, I got to wrestle The Rock. Like, I wouldn't even care if it was just a, like what he did to Eric Rowan. Like, I, I would be like, you know what? I'll sell that rock bottom like nobody else's business. Like that, that would have been a cool thing for me. And obviously my main favorite one would had to, would have been, um, it probably had to have been Chris Jericho. Would you let him put you on the walls? Oh yeah. Man, if you didn't watch any of my matches, I was stressed like a pretzel most of the times. <laughs> yeah, man, I could, I could tell. Like you know, you were just trying to trying to make it through. You had a high pain tolerance. I like to call myself I was the Rocky Balboa wrestler. I got the beating of a lifetime, but I found a way to win. <laughs> yeah, and the best part of it is, you didn't retire from wrestling. You retired as a champion, not for just for you, not for your fans, but for your son. Yep, and my daughter and my wife. Yep, like literally, that's one. That's one reason why it also was a, a pushback moment for me, too, is because it's like, you know, I want to be there for my kids. Like I said, I'm not there with my son 24-7. He lives eight hours away from me. So I li I get to have him like three or four times a year um, due to school because schooling. So obviously he's going to be with his mom longer than me because of school. But my daughter, like – I'm really getting to discover what it is to raise a three-year-old full-time. And it's been challenging. <laughs> There's definitely been some topics on it, but it's like, and be a husband and just being home. Like when I first stopped, it felt weird being home more than four days just because it was just like, when I'm usually home, that means I'm at work. And it was not I'm at work. I'm literally just on the couch. And it's like, why like what am i doing like this is weird whatever and i just started appreciating it man like my daughter when she got to say daddy um her first walk um it's just been it's been a beautiful thing and obviously this podcast too man like yeah man. i love it absolutely love it hey man it's the thing the thing about podcasts is it brings everybody together in a way that you don't get, you don't get when you're like in public, you know, you get to network with people. You don't even get to know you would ever meet in your life, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. Honestly, I like, it's crazy. Like some of the guests that I've had is like, literally it's just because I've been on a podcast and, and this is one thing I want to tell people. If you ever did discover and you wanted to try and make a pot, if you wanted to have a podcast, you don't have to have all the technology of a, of a Joe Rogan or something like that. You could literally start off with a phone, a, a laptop or whatever, just make it sound professional. 
you may not be Joe Rogan, but guess what? If you bring the energy and you bring yeah. in your realism to an episode, that's what invests into an audience. That's what the listeners look for. They don't want to find these cliche robotic celebrities. Like, exactly. Man, like that's one reason why podcasts have gotten so popular is because when you when you I think the best example is when you watch TMZ, you see a celebrity and they act a different way. When they're on their podcast, guess what? The gloves are off and they're telling you how they feel that day. They're telling you exactly what happened, why they got to do what they got to do, what they really believe in that episode and stuff like that. And that's what really makes the audience so invested in podcasts. Like, I'm pretty sure 90% of the celebrities right now are on a podcast right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. 90 at the minimum is 90%. Almost all the celebrities are they have their own podcast or they're doing podcasts and me just not planning stuff and stuff like that, man. People were like, man, we heard about your podcast. This such and such told me. And like, they told me like, they've really felt like they've known you for so long, just the way you've done, how you narrate your episodes, how, with the questions you ask, they're not very offended. They're, they're real. And that's one thing people got to realize, man. Drop the gimmick. Be real. And that's one thing I, I preach in my episodes a lot is because, you know, yeah, I am the American Project. Do I wear the mask on my episodes? No. Might do it on a special occasion. We never know. We'll see. But I'm worn. I'm real. I'm a father. I'm a husband. Um, obviously, I was a professional wrestler for six years. I hold that proud. I'm prof I've played sports all through my life my main focus now sporting wise right now has been playing competitive flag football and it's my new my new basketball my new wrestling passion type scenario it actually helps me cope like hey i'm okay and i can still be that 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 dog that like i like to say is like that guy that literally just wants to keep improving keep going and obviously my podcast like it's crazy to see where it's gone since I started because at first I just wanted to do audio. Everybody always asked me like, Hey man, why don't you think about doing video? I didn't. First of all, I was recording in my garage. Secondly, it was just like, I didn't want to look at my face the whole time on a camera, but now it's like, you know, you have to adapt. You have to change the game. And yeah. when I started getting more, more views and then on season three, you're like, you know what? I'll I'll do it. I'm gonna do a live episode, whatever. And I think you were like my second or third episode when I when I did on live on camera yeah. and stuff like that. And, and I was really like, you know what? We got something here. And the rest of this history, man. I've been doing video and audio for so uh, the, the whole time. And it's like, why didn't I do this at the beginning? Because now it's like. I got 20, I got 20 video episodes, but it's like, I got like <laughs> almost 60 just straight audio. <laughs> so it's like, what in the world? Yeah, it's crazy, right? How, how things change. Like for myself, um, speaking about podcasts and to kind of encourage you guys, um, when it comes to podcasts, it's okay to at first doubt yourself. And to say, you know, this thing might not be working out. Like, you don't know how many, you know how, I don't know how many countless times 
I had to restart over just because I didn't like the direction of where my podcast was going. So like the first podcast I had, I started it during the pandemic, but then I realized I was just doing, you know, not only just inviting people on the podcast, but I was doing product reviews. I was doing wrestling reviews. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm not doing one niche, so I got to focus on one thing. Am I going to do advocacy? Am I going to do wrestling? Or am I going to do product reviews? So I said, why not focus on advocacy? So I I took it upon myself, even as much as it pained me, to restart the podcast all over. And Sometimes you need to refresh the batteries, man. That's one thing I love. I took that break. It worked. It's working. I took that two month break, man. That's what really hit me too, because like I was getting good play numbers. I was literally doing very well and I didn't do video yet. So I was doing very well on the audio standpoint. But when I took that two month break off, man, audio wise, you weren't a lot of people didn't know my my content was coming back out because they were like, we haven't seen you. We haven't heard anything for like two months, man. Like that was one thing everybody's praising. Like you're so consistent. Like, you're always bringing out new content every week and literally that two month break, which I, I'm going to take that again in April. That's going to be like my really good thing. It's like literally I'll take a two month break around summertime so I can spend it with my kids. Uh, like I said, I get my son very rare sometimes. So it's like that summertime is literally strictly all him. Uh, I'll pre-record episodes to get prepared for season four, stuff like that. But that's going to be like my break time is literally from April all the way till July is done. Actually, not April. I'd say May till July, till the end of July. And then I'll pop back up in August. But yeah, man, like those breaks really do help. And I, it's kind of like a workout session. Like literally, I used to work out seven days a week. Now I'm only working out four to five. Those rest days are meaningful now. Like I used to not like rest days. I used to always want to I felt like I needed to feel sore all the time because it's like, I felt like I was doing something. And I read on, I was like, nah, man, like if I want to strengthen this neck, I got to ease up on it. I got to literally like just partial it in, like get myself back up and rolling. And it took me a while, man, especially my neck injury and stuff like that. It took me a while to build that sucker back up. I took four months of literally not doing anything, no lifting, nothing uh it killed me oh my lord it killed me because i'm just so used to working out seven days a week and that not going at all just kind of like getting my neck strengthened yeah. back and everything like that it was like oh it was scary to me because it was at first i felt like i was gonna have my broken neck because when i first did it i couldn't do this for like a week and that that's really when i was like i'm done i can't do this no more um and it kind of gave me a bad shadow in a ways too, which kind of still pains me in a way is I had to drop a title that I didn't lose because that neck ordeal, it, it, it really scared me. And like I said, from my past with my mom and stuff like that, I did not want that for me and me being married, my daughter was being born. So it's like, what's, what's more important? What's more important. And yeah, your health. Till this day, till this day, I don't regret my decision. Good. I mean, like I said, at the end of the day, you have your health, your family, and your kids. And do, do your kids get along pretty well? Your daughter gets along with your son, and your son gets along oh with your daughter? Oh, my gosh. She's his shadow. When he's here, 
you can't get her away from him. You can't. My son's like he's nine now, so he's he's like expecting Bell to be like very adapt to talk to and stuff, which I gotta remind him all the time, I'm like, bro, you didn't even start talking until you're like six or seven. So you can't really sit here and tell her, hey, you gotta say a full sentence. I'm like, Matthew, it doesn't work like that. It takes a while. <laughs> just slow it down with her. He's like, she broke. I said, she ain't broke, son. She's just new, still learning stuff. And she doesn't really get to be around a lot of kids. So when he's here, it's amazing because, like, her face just lights up. And when she gets to see him on FaceTime, because that's usually the only time she really gets to see him is on a phone. She sees him. Oh, my Lord. Even if it's just for a week, you can't get Belle away from him. And I usually don't let Belle sleep out of her bed. But when he's here. I'll have both of them in his room sleeping because Belle literally is not going anywhere. She literally feels like she can't go to sleep because she feels like her brother won't be there. So we're looking forward to it. Belle's very excited about it. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely – she really looks forward to when her brother gets here. Let's just put it that way. And I like how when you said the different types of podcasts and stuff like that, man, that's one reason why I got my podcast and I also made the commission and we are two, we're three podcasters turning one. You got one that was a pro wrestler to give that perspective of a pro wrestler. And then you got two wrestling podcasts that literally based off a of fan base, the fan visual station. And the one thing I'll say I love about our podcast and most people is we talk the goods and the bads of them. when we, most wrestling podcasts now that I've seen, they talk about one particular one to two, one particular brand, how bad that is, and how great the other is. Yeah, and yeah. There's no. nothing that anybody could ever do wrong in that brand. And we get shadow thrown on us when we sit there and say the good and the bad of both and all of them, because we talk about all the pro wrestling. And yeah, if you if anybody likes wrestling, check out Commission Talks. We go live every. Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time, or when we're on the 11:30 podcast, we go on on Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern time. And, and you can't you can't sit here and compare today's wrestling to, to the 90s or 80s because uh, not even that, close. You, you can't you can't really you can't really say it. It's because not character wise. It's not it's not like it's not like WCW and WWF back in the day when they had the the war. You know, there's there's no invasion. There's no war. Of course, there's the same. I think that's the bad thing about it, too, from how great that was back then to now is because it's so hard to follow up on. Like how, like I was talking about when me and my. Oh, you're muted. You're muted. Like how we can follow up on that. Like still WWE. A wrestling foundation, wrestling company itself is still trying to find their Stone Cold Steve Austin, and they're still trying to find a plateau guy like The Rock. Um, that's why they bring those guys back so much. Is because speaking about Austin, literally, how do you feel about them bringing it back? I feel like it's a health risk for Austin to come back, especially with the neck, the neck it's injuries, gonna be safe. It's, the it's back gonna be injuries. Fine, man. They're not gonna have a bump. I don't that think pop is what no. is going to be the talk, man. I wish they would let it just happen. Don't even announce it. But I know for a fact they're doing it to get those ticket sales up, which it's in Dallas. So you knew 
Austin was going to have a role in it. So I'm looking forward to it. And of course, it's with Kevin Owens. Like Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is good. I will tell you this right now. I, I, I love the guy. That's probably one reason why Kevin Owens resigned back. Them telling him, hey, you get in a, a WrestleMania moment with Stone Cold Steve Austin. I guarantee you that. He's like, you know what? That's my main event. I'm happy with that. Sign me up. Like, that's one thing wrestlers, I feel like guys now, and I and I use CM Punk in reference as is as well, they're not appreciative of what it used to be for them. And I, and I listened to so many podcasts, and I listened to a recent one that was with Randy, and Randy says, as good as this talent is, man, they feel like they're way better than what the old generation was. And they feel like they should not be second rate to anyone. Sometimes they forget where they come from. They forget well, the guys that paved the way for them. And guys like Goldberg and whatever, man. Goldberg was a character, a character, man. Yeah, he was. For the longest time, man. When you thought WCW, you weren't thinking of Hulk Hogan. You weren't thinking of the NWO. You were thinking of Goldberg. Who is going to stop Goldberg? Who's Goldberg going to crush this week? Like, literally, Sting, like, these character-driven guys are what made the product. When we sit here and talk about pro wrestling, this, pro wrestling, that, like, Roman Reigns is a character. He's bringing back the character-driven of a, of a major heel. Like, Roman is literally, I tell you right now, the Roman Reigns now would have definitely went into the Attitude Era. But the Roman back then? The babyface Roman wouldn't be holding a jock strap in the attitude era. I know Owens would have fit perfectly. Characters, man. Owens would have fit perfectly in the attitude era. Yeah. Yeah. Cena, man. Cena. Cena was really the newer Hulk Hogan. And that plateau that he had, man, is one of the best bookings in WWE ever. People give him hell all the time about how he was booked or how his decisions were and stuff. It was based off of a character, man. It's based off of character-driven. Like, when we still talk about, I feel like wrestling fans are more bitter about stuff that happened in the past than now is because they're so, they feel like they have their saying in everything now. They feel like they see everything backstory-wise, which I hate sometimes with wrestling fans is they feel like they know everything of the business. And I remind people on commission talks on my episodes or whatever. Did you take a run in those ropes? Did you take a bump? Like, do you have the right to sit here and say, oh, that was a botch? Like, you are, it's totally fine for you to watch this product and give your opinion. But you need to speak that opinion as a fan base, not you thinking you as a wrestler. Like, when you use these wrestling terms, man, you're, you're, trying to like people presented like oh he knows the business oh she knows the business stuff like that no man fine know your place enjoy what you love and just let it happen man wrestling wrestling's on what six times a week now yeah, if you really think about I mean, it six I times mean, a week i mean you have you have uh you have dynamite you have rampage you have raw smackdown nxt yeah, I mean, you have so much wrestling. People who have- knock the NXT brand. NXT is a character-driven developmental. 
it's what it was to begin with. It's just the talent is not the indie stars that everybody knew of. It's not the indie darlings that literally you knew from top notch from the independent circuit to go to NXT and elevate up. And I'll tell you right now, guys, literally, if that black and gold NXT wasn't what it was, Finn Balor wouldn't have been as popular as he was. Johnny Gargano wouldn't have been as popular as he was. Tommaso Ciampa wouldn't have been as popular as he was. Samoa Joe, Bobby Roode. I Alistair mean, Black, you know, Alistair Black, Shinsuke Nakamura. Like these guys needed what they got because it gave them a mentality of how to perform in front of a huge liver audience around a lot more cameras. Like I think I've listened to a couple episodes by Johnny talking about on Twitch is the one thing he learned when he got to WWE is the camera angles. It's, it matters because you have to face every single camera to keep that character looking strong, keep that character, keep the fans knowing, Hey, he knows what he's doing. Even though there's thousands of cameras on that, in that stage, like you realizing like, man, I got to connect with each and every camera because you, the fans are watching you through that lens. Yeah. And it's just like, it's a different element. Like when we talk about what style of wrestling, when you go to WWE, you wrestle in WWE style. And a lot of people on the Indies and stuff like that have trouble wrestling in WWE style because it's more theatrics, more production. It's more entertainment than wrestling. Yes, we know that. People like to refresh that every rag, week. Rag, rag on it. Rag on it every week. Oh, my Lord. But you got to think, man, most of the main moments of, rest, of, WWE, of wrestling itself are these gag moments. Literally. Stone Cold. A beer shower into Vince McMahon, The Rock and Shane McMahon. Kurt That's Angle with, the, Kurt Angle with the milk shower, you know. Kurt Angle with the milk shower. Kurt Angle doing the milk, the milk drenched. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, I would have been so mad if someone was sitting there flooding milk on me. You imagine having to smell like that or, the whole or time. The, or the Spirit Squad, and then they got manure poured on them when that the yeah, the ex, like uh, these are segment. the moments that matter. This is what builds the generation more. This is what builds. A character standpoint and makes wrestling get visuals that we're not used to. Like when we sit here and knock about Ronda Rousey and stuff like that, guess what? Now we're getting USC fans watching WWE because they're watching Ronda Rousey. They're watching Brock Lesnar. Like people want to knock about Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar's one of the best character best characters in wrestling. Right now, as a face, he's doing the best. This is my This opinion. is the best work he's doing he's the ever best done. work of my, his career as a face. And the thing is, Brock has always had a personality. This is Brock literally outside of wrestling right now. The cowboy gimmick and stuff like that. That is Brock That's Lesnar. Him. That is Brock Lesnar. And people are like, man, I didn't know he could do it. Brock's done this the whole time. Brock will do whatever you ask him to do. But he's going to make sure it doesn't Hurt his character. That's the thing, man. Brock is one of the Brock will go down as one of the greatest of all time just because you know what? The character that he brought. The the guy that first of all, when I was in the independent circuit, you wanted guys that literally fans would not want to mess with in a bar and stuff like that. Brock Lesnar is one of those guys. Oh yeah. You ain't gonna oh, yeah. you ain't gonna pick a fight with Brock Lesnar in a oh. bar. He'd, he'd, he'd he would beat the living tar out of somebody. I mean, for him to go to UFC, 
pummeling on guys on UFC just to do it. Like, I mean, going in the octagon, he even tells you, like, it was a different animal. He had gyrogenitis and literally still almost won that fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, don't like I tell people, regardless of profession, don't knock on it because you don't know what they're going through. Just you watch know. what you like, man. Yeah. That's the thing I preach so much, man. I'm a yeah. WWE fan just because I that's what started me watching wrestling, WWE. And it's like I, I use the metaphor a lot, man. It's like the Fast and the Furious series, man. You watch one, you're going to want to continue watching them because you, you've already watched them this far. May not be great, which the last Fast and the Furious was not great at all. No, it wasn't. The going to space ordeal, I think that was way too much. That's what really I got lost in when it came to that film. I felt like everything was rushed. But other than that, like, you're going to watch it because you've already watched so many of them. Because you're just like, you know what, what's going to be different? If you come in there and watch wrestling in a perspective of WWE, let's, let's see what WWE screws up this week. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be enjoyable. Because the only way you're going to say it's going to save you if Stone Cold comes out. If The Rock comes out, Undertaker comes out, John Cena makes an appearance. Like, those are the things that Vince sees. Vince sees it as a level standpoint. Oh, let's piss them off, piss them off, piss them off, piss them off. Because guess what? YouTube plays over a million. Pro wrestling clicks over a million. He doesn't even have to say a word. Guess what? He's already at over a million views because, look, you're going to want to do it just to knock them. When I tell people all the time, if you're going to say something bad about the product, don't post anything about it. Don't say nothing because guess what? Vince is seeing that, oh, this is good. This is good. They like what I'm doing. Okay, let's piss them off even more. Like, yeah. people don't realize that. It's, like, it's oh, all man, about, it's all about ratings and money. This, he this. You're letting it happen because you're giving it a reaction. Exactly. <laughs> Hey man, so um, it's been a great episode. Now, if you were to leave Absolutely. with uh, with something, uh, with uh, I mean, something positive to people out there that are currently dealing with their own struggles, trying to find their their niche or their way of becoming successful in their, I guess, in their profession or anything that they're doing, what would you tell them right now? So if I ever got another tattoo. On my back, it would be it would be saying relentless, um, because I learned so much, so much when I talk about the stuff I've went through and stuff like that, from being a father of a child that literally is not with, not with the mother of the child and stuff like that. What do you got to transfer with that? With having special needs, um, stuff that I've had to witness, stuff like that. Um, Wrestling, everything, every setback equals even a better comeback. And that's one thing I live by every single day. I never look at a day where I'm like, what's going to go wrong? I'm looking at it as like, what what can I do to make this better? And that's one thing people need to realize. Even the worst day can be a good day. And... Like I said, man, with wrestling, it sucked. American Prodigy was done. But guess what? I got to be a father. 
I got to be a husband and something I always wanted to be a role model. I always wanted to build the next future of this, the future of life. I can do that now. I have a three-year-old. I have a nine-year-old that I can really teach how to treat people, how to be better, how to do things from right to wrong. I get to do that. So when we sit here and say, you know, I wanted to be a role model, in my mind, I got that. Regardless if it's two people or thousands, I'm changing somebody's life. And that's one thing. If I if I had left this world today, I wouldn't want people to cry. I'd want people to smile because, you know, I'm fine. Like the life I've lived, I wouldn't change it because the stuff I went through, it built it made me the character I am today. It built me to be the father that I am today, the husband I am today. And I wouldn't change a thing. Hey man, I'm kudos to kudos to you and what you've accomplished and the fact that you're still here today making a difference. Um, that I was thinking about it, you know, thinking about the American prodigy, I just thought about an idea. Have you ever thought about opening up your own wrestling school? The American Prodigy Wrestling School. How does that sound? How would that sound if you were to open that? That'd be a lot of work. It takes a lot to do to do that. Um, that would be awesome. That'd be cool. I've even had people mention it before. Um, if I did it, it would basically be for guys that need a like ready, ready to drop the nine to five and get like a business ordeal with it. I would love to, to do that idea. We've, we've had that talk a couple of times before I actually did the podcast. I actually thought about doing that and yeah, never say never. That's one thing I've learned, man. You never can never say, say never. never. That's why when people ask me, Hey, is there one more in you? Honestly, there could be one more run in me, but it's just, I got to want to do it. And you gotta, you I'm gotta happy find, where I'm at right now. Yeah, you got you to gotta find the, the right time and the right place. And not only that, but the right mindset to be able to yeah. just. You, wrestling is a different animal. And everybody look at me, man. You look great. You, you look better than what you did when you were American Project. I'm like, because I'm not in the ring. Me going and running those ropes isn't good, man. I'll, I'll, look like a, I'll look like a guy that literally eats Twinkies all day just because I'm not used to it anymore. I'm not running the ropes like I regularly were doing in the past so it's just like those bumps it's gonna feel a little bit more different than what i'm used to <laughs> hey man but the fact that you you left the business on your own terms and and the way that you wanted it to be is something that people should keep in mind is when there's something that there's a time and a place where your body or your mind tells you you know what? It's time for a change. And it's okay to feel scared. It's okay to feel nervous. It's okay to feel anxious. But at the end of that door, there's something better. Yeah. You know, and you've proven that. You, like you said, you've you've you left wrestling on your own terms. You became a father. You became a role model. And most importantly, you became a hero to your kids and to your wife. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so those I look you. back, man, it's it's an awesome thing, man. It's it's a really awesome thing. And like when like in school and stuff like that, they talk about 
you don't know your place until that reality hits and you find your way. I don't feel like I've fully been found my destination in ways just because, I mean, we're still young. We're not, we're not mm-hmm. old and wrinkled yet. Like even when you're older, like you still have things that can challenge you to be better. And that's one thing with me is like, there's always something there. And Buzz One Marlowe has been an amazing success, an amazing thing to do. I look forward to him every week. Um, Where can we find your merch? Like to purchase your your. Oh yeah, shirts? man! Uh, bonfire, bro. Actually, I got my new tank top oh, oh, right there here. You go. On there right you now. Go. Um, been pushing for a tank top for a while. Everybody's like, man, this first time you go to the gym and you don't have a Buzz One Marlowe tank top, and like I was like. I got to I got to get that done. So I got this one. Um, you can go on the bonfire merch. Um, I will send you the link so you can yeah. put it in the link below. Um, you put in buzz 20, you get in 10% off and um, you get put into a drawing for March. Like I said, autism awareness month is coming up. I am doing an autism awareness draw. Um, not revealing what prize it's going to be, but it's going to be an awesome thing. Like, all you have to do is purchase an item, screenshot it, send it to me that you bought this, you entered into a drawing. And I'm excited to actually reveal that daggum prize, man. I've been wanting to say it for a while, and that's why I got to keep, like, keep it under wraps, slowing it down a little bit. But yeah, it's definitely looking forward to that drawing. Also, guys, um, if you like how I talk about wrestling, check out Commission Talks on Wednesdays. At 5 p.m. Eastern time, three podcasters into one. We are called the Commission. I know everybody likes to say it looks kind of like the Shield. That's kind of like the format we were going go. for. Um, like I said, we're talking about the goods and the bads of pro wrestling, everything as a whole. We talk about WWE, New Japan, Ring of Honor, uh, Impact, NWA, um, MLW, which I'm very proud of. MLW right now, they're doing amazing, they do phenomenal. Work. Amazing work, especially shout out to my boy, uh, Boombae Club, whatever he's got going on. Alex Kane, his personality has changed so much since he has gotten on that brand. And the kid's going to be a millionaire. It's going to be a million bucks pretty soon. And um, just all the guys that I've ever been able to wrestle with, train with, um, have sent me messages to watch their matches and give my perspective on um, shout out to all y'all, man, because y'all are really changing the game. Y'all are really still the future of wrestling itself. I don't feel like wrestling is ever going to die down completely. I think the sport's only growing, and yeah. it's just a beautiful thing that I could actually say I was a part of it. Sucked that I left as I did because, obviously, when I left, wrestling started revamping back up and now it's always where you like ah, that one more sounds good <laughs> but it's just like eh, i like being where i'm at right now so yeah mm-hmm. but yeah man if you want to catch me i may not be in the ring but check me out buzzing with marlo every friday 5 p.m eastern time uh we go on the real buzzing with marlo facebook page twitter twitch youtube live that's how you get my episodes, and then the audio version you get the following day. So yeah, and and the, also all those links will be uh, hopefully in the description, so you guys can follow uh, all his contacts and uh, 
Warren, it's it's been a it's been a pleasure and and absolutely, it, man. It's been incredible to hear your story and the fact that you've overcome so much, uh, not just in the professional wrestling industry, but as a as a father, yeah, you know, and as yeah, a podcaster. Man. So it's incredible. It man. sometimes make you level, like how we say you want to be a better person on camera and stuff like that. I've realized, man, you got to reveal, it. and yeah. I did not want to be a hypocrite. Like I've went through a lot of struggles in my life. Um, but it makes you a character. It makes you a better person. It builds you up. Like I tell you, man, people don't have a tough skin nowadays because we're, we're at that, where the areas like pat the back. That sucks. What are you going to do about it? Like I'm at that point, like, okay, one's down. Let me look at another option. And I mean, you just never can give up. And that's one thing. It's so cliche, but man, it's, it's so meaning to me. I've never been a guy to say I quit. That word rarely will ever come out of my mouth. When I say I left wrestling, doesn't, I will never say I quit wrestling because it's just, I hate that word. When you say quit, that means it's, you failed it. So when I say I left it, that doesn't mean I'm a failure. That just means, you know, I left on my own terms. It could be a in-between. It could be a possibility of a continuation. You never know. But quit is you're done. You 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 failed at what you're trying to do. And that's one thing I can just tell people. Never say quit. Never quit. If anything you do, man, put it, put your effort into it. You can make it something out of it. It's just a matter of the time and effort that you put into it. And that's one thing I hope people could get from this from this episode and stuff like that is just never quit. Like everyone has a talent. It's, it's based off of you to discover it. Love that, man. I, I love that. Everyone has a talent, but it's up to you to discover it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind every time I every time I feel like I'm doubting myself. That's, that's, that's a good way to put it, man. I, Absolutely. I man. appreciate that. I like your videos, too, man. I love the workout stuff, man. You continuing to keep going, man. You don't stop. Like I tell people, man, I'm 30 years old. I'm not. When you look at all these old wrestlers like, bro, they can barely get out of bed. They can barely roll like I'm fine. Like people don't realize like. I can do this now. I can move. I can run. I can be active with my kids. Like, that's one reason why I still go to the gym and stuff. Like, I I do it to my longevity with my kids. And I literally – I tell people all the time when they're like, man, what's your, what's your purpose of working out, man? It's just I want to be here for – I want to be here for long haul for my kids. And obviously, you have a daughter. You got to get the shoulders dropped up and be like, hey – back up <laughs> exactly she's single and she ain't having nobody for at least until she's 30 <laughs> <laughs> yeah i gotta 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 protect the uh the kiddos especially when you get when you got a girl from from those boys and you learn a life when you have a little girl that's for sure <laughs> all right man well thank you so much for being on the show and you'll be able to catch a show on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. Uh, I also post it on, uh, you know, on 
my other platforms. Like now, I just recently discovered Reddit. Um, you'll I got be able that to, too. Yeah, I, I just figured out about those. Yeah, it definitely helps. You know, Reddit, uh, LinkedIn. I'll have that on it on there as well. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And I usually end it with "If I can do it, so can you." But since this episode was so meaningful and so encouraging and motivating. I'd like to say if if Warren and I can do it, so can you. So keep up the good work and I'll see you guys next time. Appreciate it.